Oh shit, we don't have a theme song. Oh shit, you're right. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Like, do we, do we have time to buy something? No, no. We just we just have to riff. We're gonna no, just riff, riff it. Oh, oh shit, it's the nostalgic front. A podcast from Patrick and Reem. We like movies, TV, and games. Junk food, juice boxes, forgotten things. Oh wow, that was that was adequate. Yeah, that was like pretty good. Yeah, are we just gonna use it for every episode? I think I think we should. I think we have to. Thank you for listening to the new Nostalgic Front. I'm Patrick Hasty, and I'm Brandon Reem. How is it going, Brandon? Patrick. Yeah. Patrick. Uh huh. That's it's going fantastic. Yeah, fantastic, buddy. Hell You're yeah. looking good. I know. I'm feeling good. Feeling right. The day, third week of these goddamn quarantine episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is listenable? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, cool. I think it is yeah. so listenable. Yeah. I. Uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? How you living? Oh, you know, just uh, watching stuff all the time. And uh, yeah, what are you doing? Trying to fix my ear. Oh, why are you talking? Just talk. I we're very is very distracting. Uh, you know, just a constant cycle of uh, video games and uh, yeah, streaming services and uh, naps. What have you been playing on the video games? Oh, trying to finish up this old Final Fantasy game before. Uh, Final Fantasy VII remake comes out. Uh, cool, cool. And uh, NCAA football fourteen got uh, sure. got the Hawkeyes. You know, gonna do that. Do yep. it right. Uh, a lot of Nintendo yep. classic. Yeah. Played some Mario three today. Uh, nice. Still a lot of Mario Doctor. Sure, Doc Mario Doctor is uh-huh. that what you call it? Yep. And uh I've been playing a lot of Spyro. Ooh. Yeah. I also my wife and I are going ahead we're playing Lego Batman 2, which is so fucking fun. Every night we're playing, we're playing for at least an hour or two a day. It's the greatest built like relationship builder. Play a Lego game, you know? You and your girlfriend can do it. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's listening to the Cozies, get a Lego game and play it together. It's so fun. You'll learn you'll learn teamwork skills. You'll learn how to help each other. You'll have a good time. Oh, Go do that. I started a Kickstarter to get me Legos. What? Oh yeah, yeah. How's it going so far? Uh piece by piece. <laughs> brick by brick, baby. That's right. Uh goddamn. Uh what have you been watching? Oh, uh well, I watched Onward last night. Nice. I'm gonna watch it tonight. You're, I've heard it's great. You're gonna like it. It's good. The trailers look so bad, but everybody is saying how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Pixar has been making grown men cry and everybody Mm -hmm. for years, and this one's no different. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with some of that. Uh, Yeah. Been watching Ozarks. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. My wife watches that. I haven't jumped in yet. Oh, uh, you should jump into the Ozarks. Water's great. Yeah, it's fun. You get in it's one all... of those big blob things. You ever go down? It... You went down to the Ozarks. Yeah, my dad's got a cabin down there. I've been down. Yeah, we talk about it. We, the movie... we talk about it a lot. Big Dick. Yeah, Big Dick's halfway in. The uh, the TV show is shot in Georgia, though, not at the Ozarks. God 
you know, I listened to an interview with Brad Pitt once where he was talking about how much he likes the TV show Ozarks because he grew up in the Ozarks. And he's like, boy, they really got it right. And I just think that's so funny. Yeah. Every time you watch Ozarks and you see just a random teen boy walk by, pretend it's young Brad Pitt, okay? Oh. Uh, I'll, tell you what I'll tell you what I've been watching. Uh, just today, I'm watching uh, Spider-Man the Animated Series. Just today, I watched the three-episode arc of the uh, Venom episodes. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it was good. Classic. Makes me want to watch the movie Venom. I want to watch the movie Venom now, and I never did before. Good. Uh, also, you'll love this. I just finished the first season of Harley Quinn. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's so good. It's perfect. It's funny. How great is Bane? It's great. <laughs> so funny. And fucking Giant Shark or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Ron Punch is doing the voice. Uh-huh. God, it's so good. It's really great. Also, uh, so that's fun. Kite Man and yeah. Ivy. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's talk about Boner. That's me and Danny. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, goddamn, it's been it's been so good. I'm so I've been, I've been watching that. The new the new season hasn't started yet. The new uh, um uh or I haven't watched the the first episode of the new season is out. I haven't watched that. You know what comes out this week though? Maybe today even. Future Man. The new. The, oh yeah, the no, it season. already came out. I've been watching it. It's great. Did they drop the whole series? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, good. I can't wait to watch it because I love that. Yeah, yeah. So much. It's it's dumb. It's mm -hmm. childish. It's yeah. sophomoric. Uh, yep. It's got a lot of bad jokes, and I fucking love it. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really a great program. It's a great show. Wolf. Yeah. I fucking love Wolf. He's one of my it's, favorite. It, he's so silly. And like, yeah. and he now, especially how he always references the 80s and stuff. Yeah. Where, yeah. I put the well, VD like in JCVD. Because uh, this one season, the season that he had when they were in the eighties and he was the chef and shit, yeah, is the funniest TV. I'm surprised more people don't talk about how good that show is. Uh, but goddamn, it's good. Uh, it's not, of God, but it is. It's so good. Fuck you. It's great. It's really good. Uh, okay. Speaking of really good, we got a really good guest today. There, hold on. There's one scene. Okay. Yeah. Go Sorry. Ahead. No, Wolf, that's, let me hear it. There's, there's a scene. Where Wolf is going around killing people, um, and he has an axe, and every time he kills somebody, he yells "axe." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So fucking good. God damn. <laughs> uh, all right, hey, let's take a break and bring okay. in our guest for this week. How's that sound? Axe. <laughs> Well, here's my new place. I finally got everything I need to entertain. Great new TV, best audio, and DC Comics. No, really. They've sure changed over the years. They're not for kids anymore. There's sophisticated horror like Sandman, action stories like Watchmen, incredible graphic novels. Oh, yeah, check this one out. No, not my girlfriend. Say hi, Tina. This graphic novel. Look at the art in Black Orchid. The new generation of DC Comics. See what you've been missing. Your favorite DC Comics are available every week at Fantasy Books and Games. And we're back. Ooh, what a great commercial. What a good commercial. It was a good commercial. Uh, speaking of good, goddamn, we got a good guest today, dude. Hell yes. Uh, now, listeners, he you guys know him as the founder of the Beast Village Comedy Festival, as well as underground comedy Des Moines. Uh, he's also hosts the amazing weekly webcast, The Doomcast, which is nary in its 200 episodes. Uh, and he just started a brand new live stream called Henchmen of Asteroid M. Ladies and gentlemen, go crazy for our friend Dan Umpen. 
Hey. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks oh, for thanks being for... on the show. How's your quarantine? Oh, buddy. More like quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Right. How's uh, Dan? How's Des Moines? You're in Des Moines right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's kind of wild. It's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I mean, I think like most places are, but there's still uh, there's still some stuff that's uh, pretty bumping. For uh, high V's uh, are not limiting the number of people that they have in the store, so that's kind of a um, I, I'm hearing that that's kind of unusual in, in yeah, other yeah. states. Like a lot of grocery stores are like limiting people in at a time so the only places where there's like mass gatherings of people are at uh, grocery stores still um but yeah. yeah everything else is is pretty shut down yeah it's real strange although um i'm up in uh in johnston so there's oh, a yeah. lot of green space so mm-hmm. i mean we're we're still getting out a lot and you're still mm-hmm. able to like get out like like yesterday we went out into a, a little meadow area that's behind our house and watched the international space station go overhead that was pretty cool oh really that's really cool yeah. Yeah. You can see it. You can see the International Space Station every once in a while. Oh. Um, you'll there's NASA will have alerts of where it's going to be uh-huh. visible in what part of the country. So it's it's usually only visible overhead for about five minutes at a time. And it's only visible really well when there is uh, like generally a full moon um, wow. or close to full moon because the lights hitting the space station just right. And it looks it doesn't look like a shooting star. It looks like a really slow moving shooting star but way faster than a plane (laughs) so it but it's really cool and it's it's pretty big i've never i didn't know that was possible yeah it's it's crazy like it just reflects enough to where it looks like um it's it's not like it's definitely a lot smaller than the moon but it's bigger and brighter than a plane even Mm -hmm. though it's a lot farther off it's real cool yeah it's a really cool little experience you ever seen shit like that before rain that's a little over my head (laughs) all right all right no, okay. That's, you know what I, I like? Wow. I do like seeing shooting stars. I think anytime I see a shooting star, yeah. I feel like I'm part of... Oh. Now, of course, I'm talking about back before because I don't go outside no more. But like back when I used to see shooting stars, it really felt like I was part of something huge, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I've, I've gone out and watched... It is. It's magical. Meteor showers before, and it's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drove, drove out to Sailorville. Sure. That's what's up. One time we drove to... Yeah. We drove to, like, uh, Waukee or something once to see a, a blood moon when I lived in Des Moines. And that was cool, driving down the middle of nowhere to see, like, a big, red-ass, scary moon. That was really sick. Yeah. Uh, where are you from, Dan? Where'd you grow up? Uh, Carroll. Carroll. Uh, so I went, uh, I went to high school in Carroll um yeah yeah well you're well uh carrie stick rock mm-hmm. christian's yeah. Yeah. Uh, older sister right. she was uh she went to my high school for that's, a while yeah, yeah, until yeah. until they left yeah her dad was principal for a while david yeah um, that's right he was principal of our high school yeah. um, uh, after so, i graduated yes um and he he was honestly a much cooler guy than the guy that came afterwards um, <laughs> yeah. he was the the dude that came afterwards during camp was was a real showed he was a yeah. he was a, <laughs> quite a turd he was a huge huge autocratic turd it sucked yeah was that carol that's carol proper not kemper right yeah carol uh, carol kemper was the uh the catholic school which mm-hmm. is i I guess I don't know if uh if, like on the east coast I know that like catholic schools aren't unusual mm-hmm. um they but and i guess they're not that unusual in the midwest but carol kemper is kind of like uh a little a a little more unusual usually it's like big cities that have like a big catholic school 
Yeah. Uh, and Carol's Carol's got one, and Carol's not that big at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of small town uh, Catholic uh, towns in Iowa. I just know, uh, like my mom's town where yes. they're from, Haverhill, has got maybe 200 people, and the biggest oh, build, wow. biggest building there is a Haverhill Catholic Church. You know, and they have a Catholic school yeah. attached to it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I know Mar- same thing with Marshalltown. Uh, it's got a very really? big uh, Catholic base because of the the Catholic Church has got like four different schools attached to it. Damn. Wow. Did you ever go to Glenwood when you were a kid? Did you ever do sports or any like uh, activities where you came went down there? Because we were in the same district. Yeah, I want to say that there was a speech contest there. Yeah, probably. Uh, that we went to at one point or the other. Um, I want to say it was like a regional speech contest. I'm uh, now pretty old, <laughs> uh, relatively speaking. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, we're team old uh, here. I well, the year that we that we I think we went to Glenwood, the year after uh, Carrie and Christian moved, and so sure. like it was a big deal that we were going to another high school, yeah. and uh catching up with uh with her because she was big in speech too so yeah 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 that yeah. was That's... that was kind of a cool little deal but might have been sophomore junior year because i think that's a funny thing because so for the listeners basically what's happening is a friend of mine that i grew up with dan went to school with his older sister who's also a friend we're all we all we know all these people but so to me it was i had a friend when in elementary school who he lived in glenwood then they moved then they moved back, and when they moved back, I was like, I got my friend back, but then the, all the people in Carroll lost their friends, and so I was like, ah, we won, you know? You did large group speech or individual? Uh, I did both. Um, okay. I did, uh, so in high school, uh, I did I did a ton of improv. Uh, I did a ton of, I, I did a lot of acting, and... Uh, what did you act in? Both group. Um, I, gosh, let's see here. The man who came to dinner, uh, Greece. Nice. Um, <laughs> who were who you in Greece? Oh, I was, I was, uh, just background in Greece. That was my freshman oh. year. I didn't have a role role. You, you play a car. I play, I, I played. Did, did, uh, you, did your school edit the lyrics to Grease Lightning at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they say pussy wagon. Yeah. They didn't edit the word pussy wagon. Or chicks will cream. They oh, they went. They let that good. go. Yeah. For some reason, those parts were just fine. I just maybe they didn't know or something. I don't know. Yeah, there were things that they did edit, but I don't. When we did cut uh, Charlie Brown, Snoopy come home, they edited out all the fucks. So that was you know not as fun. <laughs> uh, okay, Dan, you're growing up. You're in Carol. You're having a good time. What was your shit? Because I we obviously we know now. You're like a real. You're a real. Uh, I, you, for me, me and Reem, we talk about you on the show every once in a while because you kind of opened the door to a lot of comics for us, uh, comic books meaning. Uh, were you into that early? Did you get into comic books as a young kid? Yeah. Um, so w- prior to living in Carroll, I lived in uh, a super tiny town called Bruton, Alabama. Whoa! Um, which is right right on the Florida border. Yeah. Oh. And uh, it, was, it, it was like, uh, yeah, it, it's very Alabama. Um, and they had one comic book shop there. We lived there until I want to say 1993-ish, uh, maybe 94. And that was uh, like the formative period uh, for comics for me. Because I, was, I, was, I started getting, the first comics I got were like 
the 2099 series. Oh yeah. Uh, like the death of Aunt May, uh, mm-hmm. it like around amazing Spider-Man 400, uh, some of the Mark Bagley Spider-Man and, uh, some of the, uh, like the, um, like the Norm Brayfogle, uh, Jim Aparo, uh, Batman. And, uh, right around that time, the Infinity Gauntlet, the oh, sure. Infinity Gauntlet storyline came out that they based Endgame and Infinity War loosely on. Yeah. Um, and when I got to, when I got to Carol, like there was another comic book store there. Um, now all these tiny comic shops are just gone now because mm-hmm. they, uh, collectible car, they it used to be that they were like collectible card comics and like just oddities and stuff like that, that would be all in the same store and you could still get stuff on like spinner racks and grocery stores. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to, I used to bike all the way across town, uh, on my Huffy 10 speed oh, yeah. all the way to the downtown area, uh, grab all the books for the age of apocalypse and then like go over to on cue, the CD store, like try and find a, uh, I don't know, like a new punk album, probably like offspring mm-hmm. or green days dookie. Sure, and sure. then, uh, bike home and try and not to get caught in the rain. Uh, yeah. And uh, go home and read comics. And I love that. Yeah, like what? Like what was I really? Hard, I mean, hardcore. Like the things that I would like watch religiously was uh, like the X Men animated series. Yeah. Uh, Batman the animated series. Yeah. And uh, Deep Space Nine and Star Trek. Like sure. those were those were the main things that like were were not missable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some reason so uh, that one. That one Jonathan Silverman, the single guy on SCTV <laughs> on Thursday nights, for some reason, I was really into that. I was really yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really into the single guy. Uh, and and ER, of course. Everybody of course. was into ER. Patrick Love. ER is so good. Yeah. You, couldn't, you didn't have a choice. It was must-see TV. And if you missed it, uh, they chopped your balls off. So that was, that right. was NBC's <laughs> rule at the time. Brother, do you remember when that goddamn you know, helicopter fell on that guy? lived constant threat of being neutered. <laughs> pretty uh goddamn <laughs> it was like jesus pretty cool all the yeah, stuff that right. you were into yeah it was it was a crazy time it's pretty cool all the stuff that you're into are still like uh yeah. great rewatches now i've been watching yeah uh spider-man or the uh x-men and batman yeah, it's series are weird the easiest rewatches it, it's out true mm-hmm the uh, I just watched the Spider-Man the animated yeah. series this morning. The uh, Batman more so than the X-Men shows. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, I, well, it's a better show. It's a better quality. And the Batmans are more self-contained than the X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The X-Men has great storylines, but uh, it's definitely the storyline has to carry the animation a bit. To, uh, like, you know, fully enjoy it. I mean, they're all yeah. fine and great, but. Uh, Definitely, like that first season is a lot of just like standing and a little bit of action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you when you were growing up oh, too? Like, what yeah, about, it, the the original Batman series is great. Dan, what about like uh, uh, you were talking about that kind of stuff with the comics? Did you ever gravitate more towards you? You mentioned the books you liked, but was this whole DC versus Marvel was that ever a thing you were aware of or did you just kind of take in whatever was at the shops whatever was at the stores well i f- i feel like the uh the idea of um 
of it being very much like a DC versus Marvel mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of came to the fore it really in my opinion uh around like 2009 oh, really? like when you started seeing uh dc trying to create m- movies to compete with um you know ma- the the mainstream marvel movies and because because they become so mainstream i think that your main st- the reason that i gravitated to comics mm-hmm. And gravitated to you know narrative stories is because I didn't I wasn't really attracted so much to team sports I don't shit on it yeah I hate it when nerds shit on sports yeah. because I think it, because it's a different form of entertainment and it's very visceral um, but it is uh, you know I, I gravitated more to story than I did to uh, just strictly action but there is some story in sports but there's a team mentality that exists there um, that that isn't quite present in uh, in comics, because there's this, there's a very specific good guy, bad guy dichotomy there. It's usually very didactic. Uh, and, and you usually don't break out of that until you start getting into very mature comics where roles are a little less clearly defined. Um, but th- there is a predominant, you know, team mentality in American culture, uh, that I think the second something becomes mainstream, if there's one or more alternatives, we kind of create a dichotomy where one doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily exist. And I don't think that uh, I, I don't think that's really necessarily something that existed before. Everybody who was reading comics was reading Marvel and DC and stuff from Image right. and Dark Horse and everything prior to to all well, of this. So I mean, you you know certainly th- there would it would ebb and flow. I mean, like in the eighties and the middle eight, middle eighties, I think DC was was the king and Marvel was really coming up and Marvel really. Uh, especially with the X-Men really kind of um, ended ended up taking off in the middle to late nineties as being number one in terms of sales. But, you know, it's not like people were ignoring one or the other or thought one was of less quality because the same writers and same artists would switch in and out for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, they're different universes. DC has super heroes where, whereas Marvel seems to focus on people with, uh, superpowers, if that mm-hmm. makes Absolutely. sense. So it's less, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's harder to define, but I think that's like the key difference. See, it's funny you bring up, anyway. uh, I always like the idea about sports uh, being, or sports fans actually just being sports nerds because nobody cosplays more than yeah. a sports fan, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's they're always so wearing, true. Yeah, I'm, they're cosplaying as Tom Brady and wearing the Brady outfit and going out and running their errands. You know, yeah. yeah. You never see people something, running. Errands. Yeah. We're all something. We're all obsessed with very muscular dudes in colorful yeah. costumes. Yeah. That are either on a page or on a tiny screen, and that's all we obsess about. So, after I. I think that's interesting that you say that, Dick. Because so, like, because I came to comics late. The first comic I act, I really read and got into was when you loaned me the JLA uh, Grant. Was it Grant Morrison, right, or whatever from the nineties? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the first comics I ever really got into. So since I got into comics reading, and I, I still don't read them all the time, but I follow them. I pay. I read. I watch a lot of YouTube videos where they kind of go through a three-hour-long story arc. Um, and since I kind of came into it post that 2009 period, 
I really am more of like a, well, I like, uh, I like DC comics way more, but then I do like the X-Men. So I'll go into X-Men, but like, I don't ever have an urge to go read an Iron Man series or a Spider-Man series or anything like that. And I feel like that's, I look at it as a, oh, I enjoy DC comics more, but I think it's more of a, I just probably like these characters and I shouldn't cross the line. Cause I'm sure that if I did go read some Marvel, if I looked into, you know, I don't like Spider-Man necessarily, yeah. but if I went and read maybe like a, a, a cable series or something, maybe I would be really into that or something, you know? I'm just drawing sports lines yeah. because, or, you know, those lines, because that's where I jumped in at. That's very interesting. I do think uh, me and Patrick, yeah, I think, oh, uh, no, me and Patrick were talking about this earlier, but uh, is on another episode, but uh, it's kind of funny when we both started doing comedy was also, uh, you know, at the very beginning of phase one of the MCU. And mm -hmm. we were able to get a lot of uh, yeah. comic book stuff off of everybody that was doing comedy at the time between like you and like Mark and uh, Billy Short and everybody. It was yeah, like yeah. uh really fun time to yes. get more into comics as well. Cause I can remember borrowing like uh, all the ultimates off of uh, Billy and stuff and picking your brain about stuff oh man way back in the yeah. what do you yeah the ultimates yeah. was like for the first like couple avengers movies that was like the primary influence really it wasn't the, the straight up regular prime universe avengers it was ultimates that really well, ended up being like the the main influence of that whole story absolutely did you dan was there other stuff you were into as much as like that because like you were talking, we talked about the comics and stuff like that, and maybe like we'll consider it superhero or that comic world. But were you into anything else like that? Did you get into like like uh, the Disney any Disney movies, or was there anything else that you kind of like gravitated towards that same that same kind of uh, well music or anything like that? Yeah, I I think music. I started uh, I I kind of gravitated from uh, starting off with uh with a lot of like mainstream pop punk and then somehow i, I want to say like around like 1995 um 96 i i kind of fell into uh a, a an edm trance i mean they call it edm trance or house now but it was really like a, yeah. a, mostly electronic stuff like moby um chemical brothers uh a lot like Le rhyme digital the, like a lot of foreign uh weird stuff and um man back like I, I liked weird stuff and that's never changed so if, it, if yeah. it was substantially weird i would get very into it especially if the videos were weird oh, yeah. so like beck bjork tool um you know i was i was much more attracted to that kind of weird stuff um i've always i've always had a weird affinity for icelandic music like icelandic oh. pop since yeah. bjork so like um like uh Oscar Trusty uh is like I mean that's that's not in the vein of anything else that I normally like but just like it's he's a singer songwriter uh from there that just writes really uh incredible impressive stuff mum I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with mum but mm -hmm. uh they started coming out with stuff in like the early 2000s and it's a really heavily experimental um it's not quite entirely rock. It's like a fusion of rock and ambient. Uh, and they, you know, they'll, if, if they have lyrics, they'll be half in Icelandic, half, half in English. Whoa. Uh, and the 
my my latest musical obsession is a guy named Dati Frere. Uh, oh, never who, heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's worth it. He's got some real strange videos. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually do a parody of one of his videos in the Doomcast <laughs> because I'm I'm I I like it that much. Yeah. Um, but the, the dude had a couple of like it's it's kind of poppy uh, EDM, mm-hmm. but it's sort of in like this this current like synth wave uh rage but the guy's he's just a weird long-haired guy from iceland and uh just does a lot of strange synth videos and and that's what that's what hooked me is the videos were weird and the videos are weird i really love what uh is going on right now in the world of music videos because uh so much of it is like you know artist driven and do-it-yourself type stuff and there's so many mm-hmm. bands and acts out there now doing uh, so much more niche uh, content and they're able to just make, I mean, I love hanging out by myself with a sixer watching weird ass Swedish metal music videos and just having a good night of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, Dan, you, you ever listen to the, the tallest man on earth? No. That's a, he's a very folksy, like Americana. He sounds very Americana folksy guy, but he's a Swedish singer songwriter and I really love him. (laughs) And he's one of those people, he's got like six hours, six albums out. They're all genius. It's just one dude. And I feel like it's kind of got that same, maybe that same uh, feel that you're describing with these bands where it's kind of like, it's not synthy, it's not poppy. It's all just roots rock or roots folk. But there's a there's an aura of it that feels very like this doesn't come from America and and I really enjoy it so I recommend that. I I I always love and respect like those are my favorite things. It it doesn't have to be a specific genre mm-hmm. or anything. I think I learned pretty early on if it's if it's virtuosic mm-hmm. and it's an album where every single track is an absolute like masterpiece yeah i'm in and i'll probably be with it for life like i probably wouldn't have um I, like i picked up uh i think the first radiohead album i picked up was the bend yeah and pablo honey i was like whatever i like that one creep song um mm-hmm. but the bends was the first album that like every single track on that was unbelievable like it was a complete yeah. masterpiece uh and you know, like there's a couple albums from like the mid to late nineties that are really like that. Like, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's hacked it, but neutral milk hotel really oh, was sure. yeah, yeah, like yeah. one of those for sure. Where I mean, it just, feels, there's, a, there's a couple. To me, it feels weird to listen to neutral milk hotel and to listen to a track. Like I, I like those songs, but I, it's a piece. It's that is one big thing. Just like, I feel like Suf John Stevens albums are like that yeah. where it's like, I like these songs technically, but I'm listening to it for the hour-long experience oh, that yeah. I get from it. I always felt that way growing right. up. Right, yeah, yep. I always felt that way growing up because I always liked uh, Pink Floyd, and then you'd hear that Oh sure. You'd hear that Pink Floyd song that's pulled out of the middle of an album and then dropped on mm-hmm. the middle of KGGO Classic Rock Radio, and it always sounds <laughs> so different when they get done with a perfect three minute 38 special song that's totally inclusive yeah. and then it plays another brick in the wall part two where it cuts out in the middle of yeah. it. 
yeah yeah totally. it's just so out of place on its own yeah 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 i uh, yeah. now dan okay so when did you okay so then you you grew up in carol and then you went to the university of northern iowa is that correct yeah yes what was your sure what were you did. what did you do in college did you do improv and stuff there and did you chase that kind of outside of there or like you know the performing aspect no i i didn't i did um i did a couple of uh theater pieces but mostly i just uh, i just drank a lot and wrote a lot of short stories uh, yeah. some of which ended up being uh award winning if i can brag oh, uh congratulations I wrote, uh, so be yeah before okay so so years ago uh in like 2004 can you still hear me okay mm -hmm. yep, yep you're um working. there were a couple of uh so there uh there were a couple of things that came out um shortly after that that were kind of like oh what if superheroes were were real mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I, I wrote a short story in like 2003, 2004, somewhere in that neighborhood that won me a scholarship that was, uh, a, about a guy, uh, who, um, it, it's very weird, uh, how it ended up being similar to like future Mark Miller stories oh, to yeah. where I, I kind of felt like, wow, holy shit. I, there's no way we could have done it, done any of this, but. Um, it was a guy that got superpowers and, um, I made it very literary and I was pretty proud of it. I still am. Uh, but the guy, uh, ended up getting, you know, there were so many demands put on him and so many expectations of, you know, now that there's one guy with a power to save this or that, um, you eventually had, uh, you had people demanding certain things from him, no more so than like X girlfriends who were like well you know i'm now i'm back into you all of the yeah, time yeah. when she clearly wasn't just you know <laughs> wanted to be with this this huge superhero and then he, he was getting like solicited from like different governments that were like if you move here like we'll give you this as long as you're an exclusive hero for this and then like uh like um different like sandinistas or like white supremacist groups, like everything on the fringe was like trying to court this guy. So he eventually just moved to Antarctica and just hung out with penguins for the rest of his life. Dang. Sort of a, yeah, I read a I, I read a lot of Donald Barthelma and a lot of uh, a lot of Neil Gaiman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Through through college, that kind of informed. I I've always really respected good, tight, um, it you know interesting but weird short stories. Uh, I think mm -hmm. anytime an author really is good at constraining themselves to a really limited form that uh, I, I, I really respect and love that more than, um, you know, any, any other literary form. Poetry is cool. Um, you know, drama is cool. Novels are fine, but short yeah. stories are really where it's at. I think that's, that's your skill. Right I there. really, I really love uh, Neil Gaiman and I, uh, I'm right now at, uh, through my job, through my day job, I'm doing the, uh, um, Masterclass that that he that he does, and God damn! Oh I wow! Mean, it's one of those you know like when we got into comedy, there was all these podcasts and like Mark Maron would say something, and then you're like, oh fuck, I don't have to spend 
five years learning that mistake right. because Mark Maron told me. Uh, I feel like this Neil Gaiman stuff, there's a lot of little things that he drops in that are like, I mean, I'm trying, you know, I'm not, I don't write all that much, but like, he'll say little things or he'll say a thing that validates yeah. something I already kind of thought. And I'll be like, oh, fuck, that's like something he brought up that I really enjoyed was that like, through everything you read and everything you learn as you're writing, you kind of, he, his example was you have a tool shed and it's like in your tool shed, you've got your, your hoe and you've got your sickle and you've got your shovels and all that stuff. And then as you grow, you keep adding more stuff to that tool shed so that when you need to do a job, you can go in there and grab these things out. And that's the way I've always considered, I've always yeah. thought of stand-up like that with like you have a bag. Like like we have, we've done stand-up in the Midwest. We've gone and done these weird one-nighters in, in, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I have crowd work in mine. You know, Reem has one-liners in his. And it's like, but then other people have, they've been on TV. They have, they figured out how to do, get a manager and stuff, you know? So it was kind of, I loved hearing things like that about how he kind of thought of it in the same way that you just are always amassing this, these skills and learning how to pivot them yeah. and use them with what you're doing. And I just thought that was so great. He's also, so last summer when I went on the road with uh, Joan, our friend Joan LaRosa Doyle, uh, we did a show in Menominee, do, Wisconsin. Do, 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 do. Menominee. And when we were there, huh. when we were there, I Googled, I do this a lot on the road. I Googled like the city to see what's up. And it says that Neil Gaiman is from there. And I was like, no, he's fucking not. He's from England or whatever. And turns out he his like first wife was from there and his children grew up there. So he lived there for like a I think lot he lived of the there night. for a while. Yeah. And, but it was so funny because to me, I'm just like, there's no way. And then I asked yeah. the audience, yeah. I was like, do you guys know Neil Gaiman's supposed to be from here? And everybody's like, yeah, he lived here for <laughs> 20 years. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know? But, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's very I, weird. Like, I think he lived yeah. in Utah. Mm hmm. For, he lived in yeah. Utah for a short time. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's a master of like, he'll write uh, some of the best sentences, like legitimately some of the best sentences in, in the English language, um, like bar, bar none. Uh, yeah. And there's some points where he'll write like little things, like you were saying, just like little nuggets that are just so... Uh, full of of meaning and and truth that they're really impressive, or a turn of phrase that just you're like, wow, how is that not something that was already out there? That's <laughs> yeah, so yeah, perfect. yeah. Um, if you haven't if you Something, haven't yeah. read it, um, you should check out a. There's a short story in the collection Fragile Things called mm -hmm. A Study in Scarlet, which is it's a Sherlock Holmes detective story that's set in the H.P. Lovecraft's like uh, mythos, mm -hmm. where it's a it, it's this weird alternative history of England where the ruling class are elder gods or hybrids <laughs> of elder gods, and it's it's Sherlock Holmes investigating the murder of one of the royalty, and it wow. doesn't come out and explicitly explain that until like halfway through the story. Yeah. Um, and the reason um, it's 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 such a good weird short story, um, and it's it's so uniquely uh, Gaiman that it's, uh, it, it, which is weird because he, he doesn't have like one genre he fits into. He does yeah. like stuff that's very creepy, but then also very heartfelt. Um, but it's always got this supernatural bent to it that I've always really loved and respected. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you, have you ever read yeah. other short story people? Like, do you ever read like Augustin Burroughs or like David Sedaris or any of that? 
Uh, David Sedaris is like uh, I've I've always enjoyed, and I've mm-hmm. always looked at more as like a humorist, like a true like yeah. nonfiction uh, or creative nonfiction, where you're like kind of expanding real life experiences. Um, but I've always mm-hmm. I've I've gravitated so much more to like um, like I I think my favorite short story writers are probably like uh, like Donald Barthelm. Um, you know I don't I don't have any collections of uh, yeah. of hers, but uh, Anais Nin, it, everything that I've read of hers or Joyce Carol Oates oh, are sure, yeah. really you know just like absolute mastery of uh, of of the craft of telling real stories really well. Um, yeah. You know I I I like literary fiction a lot, and I think that it it scares the shit out of some people mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, but I think that. Uh, you know what? Whatever popular fiction has become is uh, kind of the new literary fiction. People just don't read yeah. just words anymore. You know, it's all it's all comics, and I feel sometimes guilty, like in in a way that uh, I, you know, that's probably fifty to eighty percent of the reading that I do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, at the same time, I don't I don't think it's a lesser art at all. I think it's no, uh, no. you know the same storytelling techniques exists there the same writing of dialogue and you know it's it's just that the words uh that you're using your prose is created uh as as visual art by another artist you're collaborating with and that's all and i think that's um you know it's just a different mode or method of storytelling i think that's impressive yeah yeah so do you do you still do you still write things like that or is like the story you wrote that won the awards in college is that available somewhere? Do you have that yeah. on your website or anything? Or yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have it out there. Maybe I need to to put that up. Um, I mean, just and, especially and now, content punch it up. Content's king, baby. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple of, a uh, couple of good short stories from that era. Um, I'm cool. back working on a, a couple of things um, now that uh, are are pretty weird. I'm mm-hmm. working on. Uh, yeah, I'm work, working on one about uh, uh, Ludwig II of Bavaria. Um, well, I'm in love with a space one robot. One of the Koopa kids. And very seriously, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really it, it's really something. Uh, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's weird. I don't know if that maybe it will see the light of day at some point in the future. Yeah. I don't know. I like um, that. I love that. that. I love neat. the. I love it when you just kind of get it because like I be, I wrote a I like writing for what I'm trying to do is write for television and like write like TV shows and stuff and I love that thing where you're yeah. just walking around kicking a story around in your mind for a while um, just because it's it's just like with stand up yeah. you think of something or you come up with an idea and then well again in the before times you go do it on stage and you know immediately so now it's fun to have something in your yeah. head and you just kind of kick it around and then like it's our, you kind of already do two or three drafts before you ever even sit down to start writing. And that's something yeah. that since I didn't come from a writing background, uh, that like really kind of, I guess for lack of a better phrase, gives me life right now. You know, when you're like, Oh, and what if this happens? And what if this happens and stuff, you know, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, um, one of the things stopped me a lot 
from writing with some things is I, I expect to have a full draft in my head of, oh, this is how this character gets here. Yeah. Or this is, this is what this character, you know, would do, but I don't know why they would do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And for everything. And um, if you follow Gail Simone yeah. on, on Twitter, she's a really accomplished comic writer. I mean, she's really, really Catwoman girl. Um, and uh, just uh, really all around one of the most talented people in in comic literature, maybe literature broadly. But um, she did like a little uh, writing for comics class uh, recently that I, I think clears up some of that where she's just like, you, you have to give yourself a break and expect that you're not going to have all of the answers and that some of those are going to come out in the doing of it. And I was like, oh, right, mm-hmm. just like stand-up, where you, yeah. you kind of don't understand what about a joke works or what you need to cut or what you need to keep until you've actually done it a couple of times. Yeah. So you have to have that, um, you have to have the the act as the process mm-hmm. instead of expecting to nail it the first time. So I think that's that's kind of validating in a big way. Yeah, um, the yeah. act itself as process. Yeah, that's it's just that stuff, and and we look know. past it because stand up is so tall to us. I mean, at least the three of us, we are good at stand up now. We've learned it. We figured out how to be good at stand up for ourselves, and we're getting better. And we have room to grow, of course. But so then, when I sit down to try to write a, oh, fucking, yeah. a feature or a screenplay, something I have no experience with, you, it feels like I'm at the first open mic again. It feels like. Oh, well, everybody else is so good at this. And it's like, well, no, they yeah. all fucking suck too. You just got to like, like a big thing for me when it came to writing was like, and and this is works with everything, but like I went and read a ton of TV show pilots and a bunch of pilots for shows I oh, never yeah. watched that got successful. And I'm like, oh, well, these aren't anything special. It's not like these guys are writing, you know, fucking, you know, reinventing re, uh, the wheel or anything. These are just stabs, you know? And so then it gives you more confidence and stuff, and it's like learning all that stuff. Um, goddamn. Hey, Rain, why don't you ask a question or two? Go ahead real quick. I gotta fix my ear, bud. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what was your favorite video game growing up? <laughs> yeah, where were you? Oh, wow. Like- great. Um, man, great, great, great question. Yeah. Um, I, if, if I'm thinking, right right away like the games that i put some of the most time into um were there were a couple of rpgs uh for playstation that i i just uh was was huge with um brave fencer musashi legend of dragoon uh those were yeah. huge um you know some of the uh i'm i'm trying to think of uh, that PS1 was cranking know, out I'm, the RPGs. Yeah. I mean, that was like right when uh, yes. Square, before Square Soft was a thing where it was Square and Soft, two different things. And then they were making all those yeah. great games. Xenogears, Xenogears, Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. I mean, those, but I think I, I spent a lot of time uh, on on fighting games, a lot of Tekken uh, specifically Tekken three Who's your guy? and uh, big on S- street fighter. Alpha three was the other one that was, was huge uh, for Tekken. It, it depends on the version of the game um, and who I'm, who I'm playing against either Chow Yu, uh, Brian Fury or martial law. I used to be really good Not with, to be confused Long, with martial law. I think, 
<laughs> right, Marshall or Forrest. I, I used to be super good with Lei Wulong, but only Lei Wulong is only really good against somebody else that doesn't know what the setups to the moves are. So if you're playing against somebody that is that's played a lot of Tekken and and they know what you're going to do next based on the stance you're in, Chow Yu is kind of the same way. If you can see what their setup stance is or you know what chains from the next thing, mm-hmm. and I guess this is true of every character, but Lei Wulong's terrible with it. Um, you you know really how to counter it really easily. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Even so, playing with somebody who's basically a Jackie Chan knockoff and being able to do like pretty legit drunken boxing. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fun as hell. I don't know. I loved I loved Tekken. Oh yeah, a well, lot. Eddie Gordo was always fun, but whatever. Yeah, he gets a he gets a bad rap because he's a good button mash player. But yeah, that was a good era too, man. I loved. Uh, there were so many good fighting games when they were. Now they don't come out with anything new because every franchise is like established. But uh, we mm-hmm. we were getting like yeah. Soul Calibers and Killer Instinct and yeah. Uh, even a primal rage was fun here and there, but now it's just, primal rage. Now it's just like rival school, Mortal Kombat 14, you know, Marvel versus Capcom 17, yeah. you know, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, I really liked, uh, I really liked turtles, the tournament fighters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tournament fighters with like wing nut oh, and man. shit. That was a really fun game. Super Nintendo, but it was argu- I really enjoyed wow. that one. It was one of the first ever console fighting games. Yeah, yeah. It was great. They had tournament fighters wow. on the NES before we got like uh, Street Fighter 2. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mortal Kombat on the next generation. And it invented some characters that like they went on to use like 20 years later in the comics or like 15 years later just because they needed random characters for the game. Yeah. So they'd create something, East- and then, like, in 1999, huh. it would become a character in a comic. Eastman needed the money. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, goddamn. Did you ever get yeah. into Turtles? Did you ever like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dan? Oh, uh, not not as much. There was – so there was this period uh, of, of my life, uh, you know, where a lot of – I, I was kind of sheltered from a lot of mainstream stuff because I had very, very religious parents. And so there was a oh, lot sure. of stuff that I was just not allowed to watch. Uh, and there were some things that were perfectly acceptable for me to watch, like the pro-military propaganda of uh, G.I. Joe. That was <laughs> yeah. a-okay. Uh, Transformers, they're all robots. So there's nothing satanic about that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, He-Man, Ninja Turtles, um, a lot, it, you know, anything that dealt with like mysticism or magic, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't touch that. And as a result, I'm very, very obsessed with those, things. <laughs> uh, with magic or, uh, you know, any, any kind of like, uh, supernatural, uh, or mysticism oh. or, uh, you know, apocalypse so big fan, stuff like that. I, I, I love big fan of Braz Al Ghul then. Oh yeah. I mean, as, as a character in Batman, yes. But like usually, like the mystic characters, you know, Doctor Fate, Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I ended up gravitating to a lot, but also like I, I remember like there was a period in, uh, you know, in high school when I was, you know, listening to like, um, a lot of like a lot of metal and like looking up stuff like the Lesser Key of Solomon and like, <laughs> oh, what would happen if somebody summoned actual demons, stuff like it that. It is like it is great um, that you, uh, you know, never. 
never really uh never really messed with any of that it is it is kind of funny that uh they tried to do that and then as a reaction uh you have uh led chance dressed as a warlock in basements in des moines yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i mean it's just what can you do about it i think that's the way it goes with with everything like whatever you're told that you can't uh, really explore or try and get into that's that's what you tend to gravitate towards or try and find out like if you you know I can I mean if, if you're if you're really uh, sheltered and shamed about like uh, sex or your sexuality yeah. like those are the people that end up becoming like just you know the, the real repressed super repressed Catholics uh, mm-hmm. growing up every single one of them almost without fail that I know those ended up being both men and women just the biggest hoes <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. totally so, it's also interesting I can remember uh and not not even shaming like go oh, out and do whatever yeah, hold it up yeah be proud uh I just remember uh an interesting podcast uh episode you did with one of many out Al- one of Alex Carter's many short-lived ones where uh it was a really fun interesting talk where you guys pretty much just talked about Aleister Crowley for like two hours. Ooh, scary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah like just looking up the weird shit that dude did. He was a creep. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Real, real weird. Sick-ass song, though. Um, but yeah, it's always... You're right, Mr. Crowley. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Did you... Okay, so Dan, you're lit, You're going to college. You're at you and I. You're writing and stuff like that. When did uh, stand up? Uh, when did stand up come into your life, or the, you know the idea of stand up? Or oh, were you always kind of a stand up? Not fan? till, yeah. Um, I you know I listened to a, a lot of stand up, but like, uh, you know when it when it was available, uh, mm-hmm. Patton Oswalt, uh, his I think that his first album was uh, a real catalyst for me. He- in in terms of like oh this is a guy that likes what i like and is is talking about a lot that's the thing yeah uh he probably was the cat you know again super weird sorry uh i have to say uh pat novel had to obviously be a catalyst for a lot of uh comedians uh to come along and start talking about pop culture like they do now i mean it's it's kind of funny because prior to him you don't see that too many places but like Nowadays, you can't go to an no. open mic without hearing a Batman bit. Totally, totally, yeah. He's, and kind of pop yeah, culture goes or some, hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, something along, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it, did it you really, ever... It really does. Did you ever do any stand... Did they have any sort of stand-up in Cedar Falls at that time, or did you start when you moved to Des Moines eventually? No, I mean, there was like a, there was like a no shame theater uh, that that people did, and I, you know, I, I had friends that would go uh and and do like now i mean they would be bits i mean it was very mm-hmm. much like an open mic but it wasn't really explicitly that i mean it was it was people you know preparing some kind of of something but it wasn't explicitly stand up but it would work now um i i didn't really start doing stand up proper until uh probably i want to say 2007 in uh you know when uh, 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 Billy Joe's. Oh yeah, uh, was was popping. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my friends, Ben Houck, asked me to go do write some stand up and then open up for some for Greg Altoff. 
nice. Uh, oh, nice. in Ames in like 2006, 2007. And so the week before I was like, well, I better do something first. So I signed up to do a stand-up contest. And so I wrote yeah. five minutes and did uh, a contest alongside like, uh, like Mark and Travis Chernus <laughs> and Jared sure. Chernus and Jim Ramsey were all there. Oh yeah. Um, ah. And that's how I met those guys. And then some guy, some guy who was in town from New York won the contest. Uh, <laughs> and I've never seen the guy since. Some Door, guy named no. like David Little or something. Dude. Yep. That's yeah. how it goes. Never seen him since. Those competitions would bring in some nope, weird. No clue. Those competitions in Des Moines would bring in some weird people from out yeah. of nowhere that just like, yes. like came from LA to do a, thousand dollar competition in iowa it's so weird yeah there's there's like a mentality of comic because now you see it a lot yeah that was really weird yeah being on like the other end where you're like in a a bigger city there's like a mentality of comic who like their whole stick is like i'm gonna go to every festival i'm gonna do every competition and to them they don't know that it's like oh this is just like a bar thing that's happening in a small town to sell margaritas uh like when i first did one of uh, um the billy joe's contests when I was first starting out in Des Moines, uh, Josh Didonato, who's a great comic from LA and who kind of started the Bar Lubitsch alt scene in LA. He was on an episode of Home Improvement. He was doing the contest because he thought it was a real thing, you know? And he flew to Iowa to do this competition and then did like seven minutes of great stand-up in front of like four people. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, is this what comedy is? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yep. and now I know, yeah, this is what comedy is. <laughs> yeah it was really weird i mean there were those those contests ended up being pretty those were packed they were always fun they were weird oh Um, but yeah you would have people who would just like man what was it uh mike uh shit lebowitz mike lebowitz yeah yeah great comic uh that one and and he's he's i mean he was amazing then he's amazing now yeah and it's weird stand up he came Iowa to do a contest. The yeah, the champion or the final round of stand-up showdown at uh, Billy Joe's is one of the best crowds we've had there. Uh, outside of like Canaan, I can't think of too many shows where they had the uh, garage. Are you talking about? Wait, Reem, are you talking about a House of Bricks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. did I say? The the you said Billy Joe's, but you yeah. mean the the one that Dan put on at the House of Bricks the. The good, the one that there was were, like the There were show. huge ones at Billy Joe's too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, yeah, I there think was, the one there were huge yeah. ones at Billy Joe's and at Peoples. Mm-hmm. Like, That's what it's, it's 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 funny now. The cup I'm it's drinking out of guys see, is like, my Peoples cup. Nice. What's yeah, funny? Yeah. It like there's, well, no, just that like uh like you've got people who've been doing stand up in Des Moines for like two or three years and they're like. Oh my God! Like we had a sh- there was a show with three hundred people. That's never happened in Des Moines, and it's like, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, no, yeah. you're right. It hasn't happened in your Des Moines comedy scene. That's right. right. Uh, that which is That's, fine. Yeah, it's I like just, how you it's, said that. It's just like for them, this is completely new. This is your this is your Des Moines comedy scene, but it hasn't. Mm-hmm. It, like, just so you know, in the in the ancient times when the old magic yeah. was written, uh, there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, it, People's on Court once oh, had yeah. like 500 people in it. Like there was, yeah, that was know, my first it, open like, mic. I, I, I saw seven years ago, 
uh, seven years ago was the whitest kids you know show at Woolies, where I was like, oh my god, they're they're not going to sell any tickets at all, and I'm going to yeah. be in all sorts of real trouble. And then they it, they ended up like overselling it by 200 people to where it yeah. was just like standing room only. And this was and that was like after like a lot. Of, I think did you had you guys we were moved, gone yeah like, I by was then gone. or yeah. It's, which is insane, which is, that's like yeah. almost a decade well, like, ago now. So, so I've know. been really, I've been really into the X-Men right now. And I'm listening to this really great podcast that's called, uh, uh, I don't know, Jay and somebody explain the X-Men and I really love it. And so Des Moines, I, mm-hmm. I was starting to think of this the other night, the Des Moines comedy scene is sort of like the X-Men where there's people like your Cyclops <laughs> and then there's like, there's you guys that have been there the whole time. And then there's people like who huh. join for a little bit, like, our period of time was like a like a little bit of time, like when maybe like I don't know, like uh, Quicksilver was there in the team for a minute, but then they leave and like Beast left for a while, you know. And so like when it's so funny whenever I talk to like Rachel Weeks or like uh, uh, Michael Good, because Michael's here now. And so when we talk about Des Moines, we're talking about the same place and the same scene, but it's not the same. It's it's like it's like the characters yeah. are the same, but they're it's like. You were a different. You were different when Michael knew you than when I knew you, than right. when Rachel knew you, than when like somebody who started six months ago knew you. And so it's like, it's this, it's right. this fun. Like, uh, I'm really glad I have it. I'm really. I, I know Reem and I talk about this shit all the time, but it's so fun to have that Des Moines scene as like a. I mean, it would have been nice to start like in Cincinnati, where there was a, just a comedy club that was really cool and supportive, and you get to watch fucking great headliners go up every week. But. I think I learned, I'm, I'm glad what I, we came up in Des Moines. I was only there for literally two years, but in my head, it feels like yeah. uh, formative. It was like the most important, you know? I've been out of Des Moines for- Was it just two years? Yeah. Isn't that wild? I was only there for three. No. Really? Yeah. I've been doing, yeah. I've been doing weird, comedy right? for nine years. Wow. Weird. And I moved out of Des Moines six years ago. Yeah. I've been, I've wow. been uh, nine years. Wow, that is. This is my seventh year in New York, or eighth year in New York. No, se- yeah, seventh year in New York. Jeez, is the, re- the actual temporal realization <laughs> of that is. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's kind of not heavy, well, but that's just really. But it's also it's because, like I was saying, you, for folks like you and Alex, who and uh, and like Toll, I'll put in that same. The people who have been constantly doing stand up the whole time, you guys are experiencing it all in such a different way. There's other people. Like somebody like um like I know Wes I love Wes Kozak but I know that he would stop for a couple months and then jump back in and come back out you know but I feel like you guys have been constant the whole time mm-hmm. so it's a lot different it's like when I meet somebody who started stand up started doing comedy in 2014 here in New York and then in 2019 they do Colbert in my head I'm like but they just started but no they didn't they've been doing it six years you know they're good comedians now you know yeah uh, it's such a time is such a yeah. fucked up weird passing thing. And then yeah, this, that is... the quarantine is like the great equalizer because now nobody's doing anything. So it's like, ugh, when this ends, what the fuck is it even going to yeah. look like, you know? It is very strange. Time's a fucker. Yeah. Yes, Well, that's what, one of fucker. the things that's really fucked with me with all of this is, well, that they shut down comic distribution and as a result, they shut down comic production and they've also yeah. shut down stand-up. So like, I, I know this, like, right when I could use comics to read, and, mm-hmm. you know, it would be nice to talk about everything that's going on at an actual mic with real people. Right. Um, yeah. None of that is happening. So it's, yeah, yeah it's very, 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 very uh, difficult to really uh, put wrap your head around. Yeah. 
at all. I was talking to I was talking to Stacy about it about because she's work. We're both working from home. My job, my day job, is a little more easy breezy. Hers, she's a landscape architect. She's actually still working. It's just instead of doing because everything's they're always working on future projects. So she's still working. And I we were talking about it this morning. Like, can you yeah. imagine? I I haven't done stand up in. 26 days, the longest I've ever gone in my life since I started. I haven't performed in front of an audience. You know, like sometimes you get, you don't do stand up, but maybe yeah. you go do a weird one off show or something. And so I did a, I did a one of those Zoom shows last week and it was really fun, but it was like, what the fuck am I, how is this, right. what is this? You know, it's all, uh, my favorite joke. Yeah. yeah. It's also uh, really, it was, it's so funny oh, how, uh, it's funny how Dan was just talking about doing comedy at how he started at Billy Joe's, which yeah, if, you, yeah. if you think about it, uh, we're only doing slightly less comedy than you could do in Des Moines at that time. In Des Moines. <laughs> you could only do yeah. Billy Joe's twice a month. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. Like, yep. When you started doing comedy and then you just yeah. sit and wait to do five minutes for two weeks and you just brew yeah. it over in your head that entire time. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is really weird to think about. Jeez. Hey Dan, when did yeah, you start? It is really uh, nuts. When when did you start, or when did you come into uh, uh, the underground comedy open mic at House of Bricks? Because I feel like that's so important to so uh, many comics, and and uh, where it went to with lefties. I'm not saying that it's because it's still an, an entity, but like, yeah. What no, what made I, you kind of jump I think forward it and be like, I want to do um, I think it was like May or June of like 2000, 2008, I want to yeah. say. Cool. Um, and, uh, I think that was when we, we started doing like a once every two week. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even weekly. It was once every other week. Um, open mic yeah. there with, it was Jim and Jim and JT and, um then it just kind of uh jim moved then jim came back and mm -hmm. like he'd picked the name underground comedy which i felt like it was you know it was it was ge pretty generic yeah and not in a necessarily no. in a bad way because no. it was just what it was i mean it so it worked and uh you know we just stuck with it yeah um i feel like and just started doing sh like it i don't know i think trying to do, start doing shows back in like 2009 that was yeah. uh a real different which is also crazy to think about um that that stuff started in 2009 because i'd never watched community and i started watching <laughs> that and i was yeah. just like wow holy <laughs> shit allison brie looks completely different yeah um, i was that like was a oh long my time God, ago. i can't even believe is that actually allison brie and then i was like oh wait this was in 2009 so yeah. she looks like a child yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's right, because I was also. Something that's funny is when the thing that's yeah, fun now weird. about with, as long as we've been doing stand up and you've been doing it longer than us, but it's funny to look at photos like because Facebook brings the memories and stuff, and it's like, oh, these photos still have, uh, uh what do you call it, uh, fil uh, not filters, uh, borders. Because remember when everybody was taking photos on Instagram and putting yeah. up borders and stuff? I was like, ooh, this was a different time, you know, like. It's kind of like how when you look at baby photos from the 80s and they're all kind of red tinted. It's like our stand-up photos are starting to become so dated, you know? It's oh, so yeah. weird. I like seeing my We're yes. all I like to see my hair grow. 
And uh Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, going from pictures taken uh yeah, in an apartment after comedy contests yeah. where Reams practically got his head shaved. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um man, that was weird. I that's one weird. thing that we do it here. Uh, we have we have parties here in Des Moines and or here in New York and stuff, but like those Des Moines parties that were just there wasn't as many, but like the ones at Reams Place, uh, the ones when we uh, went to Jordan Turler's weird apartment. Oh, that was, weird apartment and uh, Alex's apartment. Yeah. And Alex's apartment. Yeah. All those yeah, parties those were, were so like, it's one of those things, like literally, I, I probably, I probably attended six comedy parties when I lived in Des Moines over two years. And I probably attended a hundred in New York in the last decade. But like, I still think of those ones are the ones that were, I mean, those were the fun ones though, you know? Because you were drinking. Nobody, there was no like. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I was drinking, and also it's like in in Des Moines, no, we weren't all trying to get fame. Not that everyone here is trying to get famous, but like you could just be. You were. We were just having fun. So we were trying to figure out how to have fun, not trying to figure out how to get on TV as much. And I think that unfortunately taints some things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We did cocaine. For... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember doing. Uh, the first. I can remember doing cocaine in the bathroom yeah. or the dressing room. No, it's cocaine at the Stoner Theater before Stand Up Alusa. I wasn't on the show. I was just hanging out. Oh my god! I didn't even. Were, I didn't realize they that. were doing coke. Oh, geez. I won't tell you who, but uh, yeah, well, I was one of we know. Oh, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> we uh, the night of that show, the I don't because there was two Stand Up Alusa shows, right? Am I right, or am I mixing? Maybe you've done yeah. more since then. But one of them yeah, no, was when correct. Luke Luke did his songs, and at that night I was like, he's going to be the most famous person on earth. Like everybody, all the, everybody had good sets. Those shows were great. Yeah. But Luke singing those songs, like fucking, I mean, I and I love Luke's music. I mean, we put out his albums now and stuff. But like, that was such a oh. fun experience. Was just seeing that theater surrogate mother go crazy for that surrogate mother. Yes, fucking yeah. It's yeah. So good. Yeah. God damn. Ter- uh, terrorist love story. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh okay, Dan. Now what what is is there a food when you go back to Carol? Do you ever go back to Carol? Is your family still there? No, my folks live like six blocks away from me. Now. Oh, okay. So well, when you make they're, the track, they're like north it uh, they're in Johnston also. Is there any sort of food or snack that your family make like that is a very like like, you feel like, oh, I'm home right now. Like, since you moved around, you were in Alabama, then you were in Carroll. Is there something that, like, when you go to your parents' house now a couple blocks away, is there something they could prepare that you'd be like, fuck, I'm home? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and my mom still still does this. Um, you know, my, my dad's always made apple pies with, like, mm. and, and he'll always put, like, a ton of walnuts uh, and, and fresh apples in, in apple pies. Which yeah. walnuts really aren't a thing that usually goes in apple oh. pie, but my dad's a real weird guy, so you, <laughs> you know, um, so you know he'll do that. And anymore, he he uses like Splenda, uh, and which that's fine. I'm down with that. But, yeah. Uh, my mom used to make uh, Dutch almond tort, um, but man, growing up, I used to like my folks used to make all sorts of really uh really healthy stuff like my you know my mom used to make like you know baked chicken breasts or like uh mm. like a uh different different vegetarian dishes like once a week and we weren't even vegetarian yeah. 
or like uh, <laughs> pork chops on, on the grill and stuff like that. Um, but my, my, the thing that reminds me of like being that young is I used to make myself all the time. I would get like individual cheese slices and just put that on like regular wheat bread with like, oh, I mean, yeah. just like, and then put like crunched up Doritos <laughs> onto that. That was, that was one of the ultimate, like I used to make Dagwood just giant sandwiches yeah. like that for Triple Saturday Deckers. mornings where you just make like, like just monsters where you'd have like pickles and like, I'd take like tomatoes and, and slice them and stuff like this. And I don't know where I got the idea to make like giant sandwiches when I was like 12 and 13. Yeah. But I used to do that like all the time and just make these like giant, like basically club sandwiches with that and with uh i used to eat a lot of bologna oh yeah 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 exactly yeah you just bologna see a commercial yeah. you see somebody hellman's on commercials like that and you're like sure yeah. why not those hellman's commercials the sandwiches yeah. they make in there are always just stacked and beautiful looking also for everybody listening at home the face that patrick made as soon as dan said he puts doritos on his sandwiches was just like <laughs> I've never seen anything more approving in no. my life. It was like, yeah, he was so proud. No, That's it's real. It's truly, it's the way to do it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Doritos or sour cream and onion chips. There's, oh, yeah. there, it's literally an ingredient in the sandwich. It is not a side what, dish. What's your, what's your go-to? What go Dorito ahead. are you putting on your sandwich when you put a Dorito on there? Oh man. You know what? It would probably have been Cool Ranch usually because I don't think they ever screwed man. around with the nacho cheese. Why did you ruin it? No, Ray? no, wait a minute. Wait we a minute. We had such a good thing no, going. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that it wasn't, it wasn't ever nacho cheese, but I would, yeah. I would think more likely than not, because yeah. I remember my folks always getting Cool Ranch, and I yeah. don't know if that was, um, just you know, traditional white people thinking it was too spicy or what. But, yeah, well, that, know, probably love, that religion uh, stuff again, you know? I love uh, Cheez-Its. Yeah, I it could be. Of, the cool I eat, ranch. I eat a lot of Cheez-Its now, and I've been putting a lot of Cheez-Its on uh, all sorts of sandwiches, like uh, tofurkey and, like, uh, grilled cheese, and uh-huh. you just put some Cheez-Its in there, and oof, that's real good. Oof. Oh, man. I highly recommend yeah. that. Uh, what's the weirdest? Have you yeah. had any weird relapsed quarantine snacks that you've been going to? Um, hmm. or things that you've no, been doing that's like I, weird? Well, what I did, what I, what I did do is I went and, uh, I had a bunch of Greek yogurt because mm-hmm. I'm eating a lot of yogurt. I'm making a lot of, uh, I'm making a lot of smoothies, oh, sure. uh, especially mango lassi. I don't know if you know what that is. I'm a huge, I, I, I really like Indian food. So I've been making a lot of mango lassis because I was like, oh, we have mangoes and I have yogurt. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started uh, I took some of the Greek yogurt and we had mayonnaise and I just, I went and looked up like what spices are in ranch dressing. So I just made my own ranch dip Whoa. and I've just been eating uh, a ton of ranch dip, like fresh, yeah. like fresh ranch from scratch is yeah. it's great stuff. It's you really, a, really next level. Dan, do you have an Instapot? No, okay. no, I don't. If you do, you can make I, yogurt. I, I really wish we did. Yeah, you can make yogurt at home. My wife makes oh, it really? all the time. It's so good. Yeah, and it's sugar-free and it's delicious, and no gelatin or anything. Oh man. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, I make I, I. We were we were thinking about trying to make a cheesecake, 
Um, oh, yeah. But it doesn't really fit with what I'm doing. I haven't, I haven't had any sugar or uh, really any sugar since probably January 20th. And I haven't had any beer since uh, November the 4th when I got that gout attack. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, but I'm doing, I'm doing better in that respect for sure. Yeah. I haven't had um, but, sugar. I haven't had sugar this year except for like, I eat like fake meat and if it's already processed in it, but I'm, I haven't had like a snack or I haven't yeah. had sugar added to anything since January 1st. Um, and so it's crazy to be in this quarantine and you're like, well, I guess I'm going to have another apple. That's my, the, the sugariest thing I can eat today. Like the, the lowest sugar uh, fake meat that you can probably get in, in my experience is Beyond Burger. And I oh, yeah. eat a lot of Beyond Burger. They're great. Um, grill them. They are, no, they're excellent. I think those are the, the most convincing and lowest sugar, like the least processed meat substitute you can get. Um, I just put pea protein in smoothies a lot, but yeah, I've, I don't know. I used to eat like a lot of garden stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's really good, but I've just gravitated away from that because it's really, it's yeah. usually really, really, really high in carbs too. Yeah. So, and that's, that's what I, I kind of go with. I'm like, I got to choose, pick and choose my battles. I don't drink, I don't really do weed too much and stuff. So it's like, I'm going to let myself eat the fake meat because I'm, I'm not eating meat. I'm going to let myself eat that shit. And if it, that kills me, then yeah. at least I fucking tried on the other fronts, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. No. But, uh, yeah. But goddamn, Dan, this has been fantastic. Absolutely. I, I am so excited with how this episode went. Uh, the well, uh, Now, the listeners, the NFR, by the way, we love you. I hope you know that Absolutely. at all times. Uh, oh, thank we you. Both, we, talk, we talk about you as much as we talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and we talk about them quite often. Uh, and huh. so... Huh. Tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet. Tell them where they can get watch the Doomcast and your other new uh, live stream. Let them know all that kind of stuff. Okay, so if you're if you're looking on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's at the Doomcast. T H E D O O M C A S T. That's pretty easy to find. Um, I've got links to YouTube where you can search the Doomcast on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to that, follow it. It's usually, um, it, it is a comic book and pop culture based podcast, but rather than rehash whole storylines, uh, I, uh, the elevator pitch is that it's Alton Brown on comics. It's the inside yeah. baseball of how certain stories got made or how this character, uh, became this or how, uh, you know, this comic imprint was important and it's been completely forgotten. Um, like for example, this, this week I'm going to do one on how, uh, it's the episode is going to be called Namor is a whole bitch. And, uh, <laughs> it's going to be about how Namor has always been a, uh, really terrible anti-hero character. But if you look back on his origins now, it's a, it's pretty revolutionary. Yeah. Um, I love I'm gonna it. Do I do some, some other weird fun stuff. So it's a, uh, I think Doomcast is so great. I've watched every episode at least once. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you do those and I'm glad that you do them with you're pretty regular. Awesome. I mean, and the, you know, I think that's such a good thing. And the production, uh, yeah. I mean, for the last couple of years, then just getting better and, I try and better. And hit, hit it uh, once a and, week at least. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, now this could be, I guess an awesome, this doesn't matter, but Dan, what about when you first started to Doomcast, you were doing it kind of podcasty and I did an episode with you. Do you remember this at the house of bricks right before I moved to New York? Yeah, it was. It, is that anywhere? Yeah, I was calling it available? Radio Free Latveria. 
That's it. Yes. No, I don't think uh, it is okay. anymore because I had it. On, okay. Yeah, I had it on. I think I had it on Podbean, and uh, yeah, I I think I lost the hosting to it. Now I still I probably had, have the raw audio somewhere though. I don't know. I don't like. I didn't listen to the, all the episodes back then, but I had that recording saved on my phone when I moved to New York. And I like maybe three years in when I was really going through it and like feeling real bad. I listened to that and it's crazy how scared I was. You know, you know yourself. Mm-hmm. It's weird to know how scared I was when I was recording that because I was mm-hmm. talking about moving to New York and it was kind of like a really personally like a cool document yeah. to have out there to be like, oh, on the outside, you're telling everybody you're ready and you're excited and you know, but you were fucking terrified and I can hear it in my voice, you know, like when you listen back to an old set where you were sick or whatever. It's like, oh, I know how I am feeling there by listening to this, you know? Um, but goddamn. And then uh, your Twitter. Plug your Twitter, too. Um, yeah, it's uh, at, at Dan Umpton for me personally, which, you know, most of uh, my... I, I don't really run my Twitter as a brand. It's mostly just I'm very angry about uh, everything that's happening and how bad Trump yeah. is fucked up and how bad the DNC is fucking that's up right. all the time. All, both uh, but sometimes there's good jokes, <laughs> yeah. so check that out. Fantastic. Uh, both, both are God, fine. Yeah, well, hey, both thanks so good. much. I'm so glad this quarantine's terrible, but I'm glad we could have you on because of it. Well, yeah, no, it's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, uh, Reem, where can the listeners find you, dude? You find me at Reemcore, R-E-A-M-K-O-R-E, on all the social medias. Uh, I complain about stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, you do, buddy. Uh, and of course, you can find me at Patrick Macy. That's at PA. But you write good puns. That too. Yeah. You do. You write great puns. Oh, uh, shut up, all of you. <laughs> you can find me at Patrick Macy at PAGRISGAJFKE.com. Uh, if you're listening to this the week it comes out, we just did a live Jackknife show. That's a video of like a really crazy event. So go to my YouTube. Watch that. Uh, it's great. It's an hour long of just great comics doing great stand up. Uh, tell your friends, stay healthy. The COVID-19 is really still going to be fucking kicking our ass for the next couple months, so no matter where you are, stay in, stay healthy, wear masks, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, be cool, never die, and as always, yeah. remember, if you're not an in effort, you're an m effort. So, so get, get the, the fuck, fuck out, out of here! here. Welcome to BrainMachineNetwork.com. Wow, that's pretty good. Hell yeah. I love this podcast.